All right, how you doing, everybody? Merry Christmas. All right, we're glad to see you all here worshiping with us today. As Sharon mentioned, my name is Pastor John. If, you've, if it's your first time here, welcome. Um, as we've heard from our scripture reading today, um, and I love hearing um, you know, our, our young kids, you know, seeing them memorize scripture and, and reciting that. And we heard the theme that, what? Christmas is about lights because Jesus is the light of the world, right? It's why we run up our electric bills, and I can tell you we do that here at the church as well. Um, we put up lights, right? Lights are a reminder of the fact that Jesus Christ came down to the earth as the true and only light of the world. And we heard it in Isaiah 9-2, one of the first readings that we had the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And over 700 years after that, Jesus Christ in John 12, 46 said, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Amen. That is the reason he came over 2,000 years ago, for each one of us to be our true and constant light source, that light source that mankind so desperately needed. And, you know, most of the time we take for granted how important light is, don't we, until we don't have it anymore. And I have a little story for, for all ages. Uh, it's not quite a Christmas story, but it'll get to the point of, of how important light is. And it actually started back when I was in fifth or sixth grade. And um, I, I know a few people know of Camp Sankanak. I, I, I actually was going away to a week-long sleepaway camp. Does anybody, anybody still do those? So I went to this sleepaway camp, and I was desperate to make friends, as you can imagine if you've met me. I'm desperate to make friends. So when this one guy in my cabin the first night says, hey, I got an idea. Let's sneak out and let's go into the woods. It sounds like a good idea. And we're going to explore. There's something on the other side, this like barn, and it'll be really cool. Let's go. So I wanted to look cool. I wanted to look brave. So I signed up for the trip along with one other guy who was really brave or stupid. Um, so we decide to set off. And this one guy with the suggestion, of course, is the only one that had a flashlight. He knew it was going to go, you know, go down that night. So he took us on this little journey. He's leading us with his flashlight. Everything's going great. We're going down this path. But he has to go to the bathroom. Number one, thankfully. So he, he, he takes a break. He gets over there, you know, by a tree. So I'm, you know, giving him his privacy and, you know, just standing there. All right, you know. And a couple minutes goes, go by. It's like, hey. Hey, Bobby? No. Uh, Jim? Jimmy? No. Nope. Yeah, you guessed it. They set me up. And I was like deep, dark woods scared. <laughs> you know, if you've ever been there. And I couldn't see anything. I was like, it was so dark, I couldn't see my hand in front of me. What do you do? I mean, especially when you're, I mean, besides wet myself. And, you know, I, so... I, I didn't know what to do. It was so dark. So I, you know, I kind of did the whole, like, put my hands out and, like, try to make my way. I mean, like, I'm going to make any progress that way. But I kept tripping on things. And what felt like hours, 
I don't know, it could have been five to ten minutes, but it felt like hours, and it was a long time. I was, like, crying and really upset, and I sat down, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I have no light. I'm in the dark. And I remember, you know, ironically, it was, it was, a, it was a Bible camp. <laughs> Not ironically. <laughs> you know, you, you wondered, I'm sure, in the story, but, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm remembering our lesson from that morning, and... It's not, you know, just a coincidence, but the lesson was when we are afraid, Jesus is with us. When we are afraid, Jesus is with us. And I thought, okay, well, that took on a whole new meaning, but I still don't feel good right now. I was still scared, but I prayed, you know, Jesus, show me some light, any light. And I kept moving around. But actually, at one point, not too long after, I swear, I saw a little dim light. And I thought, okay, that, that's, that's all I need. So I started, you know, plugging away, going toward that constant light. It wasn't moving. It was, it was fixed, and I kept moving toward that. And the closer I got, the bigger it got, and it kept getting bigger and bigger. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm, then all of a sudden, I start to see through the woods, and I picked up my pace, and I made it to the edge, and I saw that it, this constant light was the bonfire right in the middle of our campsite, where the, you know, the leaders would go and probably trade stories about uh, you know, what they, they did that, you know, that day and the kids and how they were acting. So I, I, I got so close to it, though, without getting caught. <laughs> uh, I got so close that I could see everything. It was like this illuminating light. Finally, I could see everything, and I could see the path directly back to my cabin. So as I got in bed and heard laughter next to me, <laughs> I learned the important lesson right, that we all unfortunately learn in this life. You cannot trust the changing, unreliable light source of others. You only can trust the constant and true light source. And that is what we need in this world. We need a constant, a fixed point of truth, right? In the, in the natural world, what is constant? This is not a class, but I would love if anybody knew this. The speed of light is a constant. It doesn't change. Albert Einstein said that he was able to come up with his fav- famous theory of relativity because light is the only constant. The speed of light is the only constant in the world, and everything else is relative. Now, he was true of the, the physical world, but of the spiritual world, Jesus Christ is that only true and constant light, correct? And it's only in him that we can rely on Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is one of the fundamental attributes of who Jesus Christ is. He is unchanging. He does not change. He does not waver. The ancient of days. And the same is true of his word. In fact, in Matthew 24, 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. That is a guarantee we have. So when we are in this world that changes every day, that morality and truth can be relative to anything that anyone believes, he will remain constant and his word will remain constant. And that is why it is so important for each one of us every day to begin our day with him and his word. It is the light source. It is the beam of truth and constant truth that we need to walk through this world because how many of you run into lies 
How many of you read about deception? How many of you are facing difficult circumstances where you do not know your way? It's because we're stumbling in the darkness. We don't have that light source, the light that comes from the word of God, from Jesus Christ, our light source. So, the next point is that Jesus Christ is our vital source of light, vitality, life. In, in the natural world, the sun is the center of vital light, right? Our sun. Our sun produces energy through plants and photosynthesis, right? Again, not to get in. I know you guys just started your break, kids, but we know photosynthesis produces, you know, oxygen, fruit, food, all that stuff. But without it, without that source of light in God's design, our whole world would be dead and dark, right? And that is just a little representation of the spiritual truth that God revealed in Jesus Christ. That without Jesus Christ, we have no light. John 1, 4 says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. When Jesus came to earth as a baby in the manger, that was not the only reason he came. He came to bring us eternal light, spiritual light. And he said in John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly, abundant life, life that never ends. And when you accepted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit shined his eternal light into your heart and gave you that eternal life that only comes through Jesus Christ. But that is not the end of the process. We don't just receive this eternal life, this light from Jesus, and sit on it, right? We don't hide it under a bushel, as the song goes. But it's our job to take that out. In John 12, 35 through 36, Jesus said, You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the darkness does not know where they are going. And here's the point that he made. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. We believe in the light of Jesus to become children of light, to carry that source of vitality and that light out to the dark world we're living in. And what better time do we have than right now, right? For multiple reasons. One, it's Christmas. Everybody's willing to hear a little bit about religion and Jesus, right, around Christmas. So we have an opportunity. But we also live in a very dark world. We see it every day. War, hatred, famine, trafficking, all, all these bad things, these darknesses that are in our world. And, our, and the people around us are looking for light. And especially when Christmas is over, right, and we take down the decorations, you shove the tree out to the to the curb so that it can get into the chipper. Everybody, you know, starts to get a little depressed, don't they? And that's when we can share the fact that the unchanging gospel is true today and forever, and that light is the light and source of life for everyone. And my last point I want to make is that Jesus Christ is our victorious light. 
You see, uh, I happen to be lucky enough to have what's called a uh, December, a late December birthday where, you know, you get those like combo gifts where you get, you know, you get grandma gives you a, oh, that's your, that, yeah, that's for your birthday, but it's also for Christmas. You're like, come on, grandma, you know. So I never really felt special. <laughs> Explains a lot. But um, <laughs> I always wondered why do we celebrate Christmas on December 25th when that's not when Jesus was born. I think most people know that, right? You know, shepherds out in the fields. I mean, that's not happening in the dead of winter. Um, so why? Why did somebody decide to mess up my birthday? <laughs> well, well, the interesting thing is that it was purposeful. You see, you know, back when the early church started, I, be I bet you most people don't know this. There was no Christmas. They only celebrated Easter, and Christmas was never really celebrated. It wasn't until 336 A.D. when they decided to celebrate Christmas for some reason. And Pope Julius I, who was kind of in charge of setting this up, they chose specifically December 25th, which was right near the winter solstice. And they did that on purpose because that was the time when most of the world were celebrating pagan festivals at the time. You know, these Roman pagan festivals, they'd celebrate like Saturnalia to, to the god of Saturn and harvest uh, Invictus, um, Sol Invictus, where you, you worship the, the god of the sun and, uh, you know, undefeated sun god. And all these, you know, these pagan festivals. And interestingly, on a side note, it's where you start to get some of these like hanging of wreaths, lighting of candles, giving of gifts and feasting, which sounds a whole lot like what we celebrate today. But it was really around this purpose of reawakening the sun, bringing it back to life. And so the Pope decided, well, hey, if I can, you know, kind of absorb some of these customs, this date, we can kind of merge some things, we can increase the popularity of Christmas, give people an alternative to celebrating these pagan deities, and, you know, and, and we'll be good to go. So the interesting part, though, is that it's, it's kind of like the, the contrast of the pagan world because the pagans were like fearful. They worshiped these gods and they begged them and sacrificed to them to bring back the sun, to bring back the light. But Christians decided to start celebrating Christmas right in the dead of winter, right when it was dark and gloomy. Why? To show that Jesus Christ, God's holy light, came to have victory over darkness. And that was the resounding message of Christmas. And that is why it's so important today. Jesus Christ's accomplishment on the cross, he came not to just be a baby in a manger, but to bear our sins on the cross. All the sins that I cannot pay for, that you cannot pay for, he bore those on the cross. He was resurrected on the third day as proof of his victory over death. And he brings each person each one of us who believes in him, he brings that victory to us. A victory we don't even have to fight for. A victory that is ours because we are his children. As 1 Corinthians 15:57 says, thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the message of Christmas, isn't it? That Jesus Christ is our constant light, our vital light. 
and our victorious light. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you do not know the redeeming work that he's accomplished, or if you're not sure, I would love for you to speak with somebody today. This is the day to talk about the true light that you're missing. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask that you be with each one of us uh, during this holiday season, that we would uh, just continue to remember the true meaning and source of joy that comes from this season, that it is Jesus Christ, our beloved Savior, the light of the world, the victorious light, our constant source of truth, our vital source of life. We, we thank you for the gift of Jesus and what he brought for each one of us. And for those who do not know that gift, Lord, we ask that you would work on their heart to accept that gift, to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and their God and their Lord. We thank you for uh, just such a time when we can reflect on the meaning of Christmas, on the gifts that we exchange, and on the hope that we have. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing our next song? Light of the world, treasure of heaven, brilliant like the stars in the wintry sky. Joy of the Father, reach through the darkness, shine across the earth, send the shadows to fly.
guys can have a seat. In a few moments, we're going to light the center candle, symbolizing Jesus, the light of the world. When I was growing up, there was a song I listened to. It was called The Sound of Silence. The song begins, Hello, Darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk to you again. I didn't know the songwriter, Paul Simon, what he meant, so I made up my own interpretation to the song. It seemed to me that the writer and darkness were on a first-name basis. He said hello to the darkness. He called darkness his old friend. He was very familiar with the darkness since he had come to talk to darkness once again. Perhaps why I connected so much with the song was I did not grow up in the light. I grew up in the darkness. There was darkness in my soul. There was darkness in my world. Perhaps there's darkness in your world as well. You flip on the news and you see the darkness of this world. You scroll through social media and once again you see darkness in your feed. You go to work and you see there the fallen condition of mankind. A young mother's child is sick. She's in the dark about what to do until she's given light. A man is diagnosed with cancer. He's in the dark as to what to do until light comes to him. A person's trying to finish a project. They're in the dark until they get some light. Jesus was very familiar with darkness. <laughs> we read in John chapter 9 that he was walking through the streets of Jerusalem and he saw a blind man. He felt a prompting of the Spirit. He heard his own father's voice. He felt compassion for that blind man. Here was a man who'd never seen a sunrise or a sunset, never seen the green grass, the blue sky, never seen a snow-capped mountain, never seen his mother's face. And Jesus' heart went out to this man. His blindness, though, sparked a theological debate among his disciples. They asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Did they imply that in one of his former lives, this guy had done something sinful, and now in this life was being punished with his blindness? Or did his parents conceive him before they were married, and now their son was being punished for their sin by being blind? The disciples saw his sin. Jesus saw his soul. The disciples saw a big problem. Jesus saw an opportunity. Jesus countered the disciples' speculations with the truth. It was neither this man's sin nor his parents. It wasn't personal or it wasn't parental. It was providential. This happened to show you the very power of God, of what God is able to do, in a blind man's life. Jesus said that we must do the task assigned to us while there's light because the night is coming when no man can work. And while I am in the world, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. So Jesus did something very manly. He spat on the ground and he made mud with that saliva and he anointed the man's eyes. And he sent him off to the pool of Siloam to wash his mud off. And when he washed himself, he saw for the first time. 
It was a major miracle. Every Christmas carol has a story behind it. The one we sang about little town of Bethlehem was written by a pastor. His name was Philip Brooks. He was on sabbatical, about to go on sabbatical. And uh, it was 1865. He had just gone through the Civil War and he was burned out. So his, his church sent him to the Holy Land. And while he was there, he went to a church service just like this on Christmas Eve about 150 years ago that lasted from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. We won't go that long. And uh, he, he wrote these words down as he walked through the streets of Bethlehem. But in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. Light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The story I was just relating to you about the sound of silence also has a backstory. Art Garfunkel, one of the singers of the song, had a roommate whose name was Stanford Greenberg. <laughs> they went to Columbia University. They went to Columbia, but they had a friend named Stanford. So they vowed, these two guys, to be lifelong friends, to be there for each other through thick and thin. Garfield's, Garfunkel's friend Greenberg was watching a baseball game when his vision turned to a blur. He went to see the doctors. The doctors misdiagnosed him with conjunctivitis. And then he completely lost his sight. Glaucoma had rendered him legally blind. Greenberg became reclusive. He left college, was depressed and hopeless, and he went into a dark place. And maybe something has happened in your life where you also have gone to a dark place. Maybe you've become very familiar with the darkness, just as this young man had. Garf Garfunkel went to him saying, you might have lost your sight, but you still have me. He promised to walk him to classes, to guide him around campus, to offer him continual support. He would become for him his eyes. You see, being there for your friend when they need you makes you their light. It lets your light to shine. Somebody can rely upon you in their darkest days. So Garfunkel called himself darkness as a mark of empathy with his troubled friend. I love what Garfunkel did. He was a true friend. He promised to be there for his friend, and he kept his promise. He incarnated love. He called himself darkness to identify with his friend. But Art Garfunkel had a limitation. He couldn't make his blind friend to see. He couldn't open up his eyes to see. He couldn't impart to him either physical or spiritual sight. His friend spent his entire life legally blind. But Jesus has the ability to make the blind to see. This man would testify, I was once blind, but now I see. Perhaps I identify with that blind man because there was blindness in my own life. God knew there was darkness. People without light stumble in the dark. Perhaps that's why we stumble without a nightlight in our bedrooms. And God said, I will counter the darkness. The prophet pointed to the day when God's light would shine. Isaiah said, people walking in the darkness will see this great light. And then there was 400 years of silence. 
400 years since they heard from a prophet, 400 years since an angel appeared, 400 years since a miracle was performed. And there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to the light. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that comes in the world to every man was coming. And Jesus Christ is the true light of God. When Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of this world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus declared himself the light of the world, and now he declares to us that we bring his light into this world. Jesus said, you are the light of this world. We are called to have global impact. Darkness is the absence of light. The light will always dispel the darkness. We hear many people cursing the darkness, but we see very fewer lighting a candle. We are called to light a candle, to light a light in this very dark world. On New Year's Eve in New York Times, Times Square, about a million people will pack into um, that area. It's been said that that area is lit with 161 megawatts, perhaps one of the brightest places in all the world. That's enough electricity to light up 161,000 homes. <laughs> but the truth is, Homeland Security has said there's a great threat of a terrorist attack in Times Square on New Year's Eve. Maybe you want to stay home. Christians have been trying to bring light into dark places for 21 centuries. There's places in the world that are very, very dark. In the hill country of Thailand, it is dark. The hill tribes, the hill people, have migrated there from places like Burma and China. Most of them are Buddhist. They are very, very poor. Poverty we don't see here in the States because there's a safety net is true for these hill people. In the case, many of their cases, their fathers are unable to provide for them, their families. They resort to excessive drinking and gambling. Some fathers abuse their children. Some altogether abandon them. Without the father in the scene, the mother is faced with a tough choice. She is faced with the decision to either watch her children starve or sell them into slavery. Precious children there are extremely vulnerable to being trafficked. One of these people, whose name is Fa, was abused by her father in Thailand. But she was rescued by Christians who told her about the grace and the mercy of God. And she learned how to forgive her father. God gave her a vision to build a home there for at-risk children. To build a home to... Re hopefully reconnect them with their parents. In Thailand, these children go to school and they require their students to wear a different uniform each day and the cost to buy the clothing is about $500. But what if we train these mothers who currently are disconnected from their children, what if we taught them how to sew, that they could sew uniforms for their children, saving them the $500 and giving them some income? What if we sent a Christmas gift to Fa, enabling her to buy these sewing machines, 
And then these children who don't have a skill to learn a lifetime skill that allows them to be a light shining in the darkness. You see, in the same way, Jesus says to us, let your light so shine before men. Men and women living in the darkness. It reminds me of sort of being in a cave. Way back, I went spelunking into a cave that was very, very dark. It was so dark, you couldn't see your hand in front of you. I remember the water dripping on my head. I remember the closeness to the walls all around me. And I remember when I came out of the cave how very, very dirty I, I was. I needed a bath, and I needed a new set of clothing. You see, when I came into the light, I saw that I was absolutely filthy, and I needed to be cleaned up. Jesus says that we are the light of this world. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 says, For you were once darkness. He didn't say you once were in the darkness. He didn't say you once were a friend of the darkness. He, he didn't say, he did say in your old life you did things in dark places. So he says, For you were once darkness. Darkness defines your life. The reason you were in the dark but you didn't have the light. There wasn't a light to guide you. There wasn't a light to comfort you. There wasn't a light to give you warmth. You could have felt very alone in the dark. My daughter, Betsy, when she was just 15 years old, she was putting her um, bags into the car. I was gonna drive her to the, the airport the next day. And she said to me, she said, Dad, would you mind watching me? I said, Betsy, tomorrow you're going to jump on an airplane and travel 3,700 miles to Spain. I won't be able to watch you there. She said, Dad, I'm really afraid of the dark. You see, Jesus is the light of this world. Jesus pierced the, the night with his light. Jesus proclaimed, I am the light of the world. When he was here, Jesus made the invisible God visible to us. Now that he isn't here, we make God visible to this world by shining our light. He says to us, we are now the light. The shepherds guarding their flocks, they saw a, night, a light in the night. The magi looking at the night sky, they saw a light, a star, and they followed the star. The scripture says, for you once were in darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. Well, how shall we live? We are to live our lives in the light. We don't have to hide our past. We can bring it into the light. We don't have to keep secrets. We can bring it into the light. You don't have to agree with the darkness. You are a child of light. You don't have to cuss the darkness. You can light a candle. And it says, for the fruit of this light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Goodness could be translated moral excellence. You, as a follower of Jesus, are to be an example of moral excellence. A good man, a good woman. You see, what God produces in us is goodness. goodness. The psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. And every good gift that comes to us comes from the Father above, the Father of lights. You could say, our goodness is demonstrated in our relationship to others. 
the fruit of the light consists in goodness. Secondly, the fruit of light consists of righteousness. Goodness has to do with our dealings with others. Righteousness has to do with our relationship with God. You shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. God's diagnosis with the human condition is our deepest problem is that we have sinned, that we live in darkness. How can a sinner have a relationship with a holy God? The Son of God himself became incarnate. The Word became flesh. He went around doing good, healing people. He died on a cross to pay a debt he didn't owe because we had a debt we couldn't pay. When you believe in Jesus, what happens is God forgives all your sins. He brings your account to zero, but then God puts something in your account that's called righteousness. He imputes righteousness to you. Thirdly, the fruit of the light consists of goodness and righteousness and finally truth. You can tell when someone is walking in the light because they live according to the truth. They speak the truth. God desires truth in our innermost being. For truth must first of all get inside of us, internalize the truth of who God is, of who we are, and how God wants us to live. And this truth produces profound changes in us. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The great debate in our, our culture is whether there is absolute truth outside of ourselves. Many people will say, this is my truth, right? My most authentic self. They are arguing that truth varies from one person to the next. I mean, what's truth to you is not truth to me. That's good for you. That's your truth. But this is my truth, subjectively discovered. The problem is, that is not how truth works. The truth is that which aligns with reality. If I told you that Jesus is the light of the world, that this world we're living in is getting darker and darker, and that God has commissioned you to be the light of this world, and God's light is greater than the darkness, I would be speaking the truth to you. So let's let our light shine. I think it's time to light the Jesus candle, don't you? It's time to declare that Jesus is the light of the world. It's time to say that we are the light, bringing light to the darkness. So let me invite up the Rayburg family, Matt and Katie and Rachel and Hannah, for our last reading. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, because everything God makes is good, true, and pure. Adam and Eve knew the goodness of God. However, they believed that something good was being withheld from them and chose to step into darkness. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and his life was the light of men. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8, 12. 
into darkness. Why in the world? Well, I'm in the world. I am. I am the light of the world. John. John 9, 5. Based on her testimony, <laughs> we light the light. This is like reality. Sometimes the light is hard to get lit. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let me invite the ushers to come. And then we're going to light these lights. We're going to turn the lights off and show you how beautiful the light is when it begins to shine. The world needs your light. Blow your candle out. Yeah. Father, we thank you for Christmas, for the advent of your son, the Christ candle that's been lit, not only in this world, but also in our hearts. Father, may the fruit of light be goodness and righteousness and truth. May you let our light burn through this year, Lord, to our families, to our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools, all around this world, that those in the darkness may see the light of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you.